0: Hello, this is Joey and Jimmy from the Madhouse Podcast. Oi, oi. We just want to say thank you for downloading and listening to our first 10 episodes. It's been a good ride. And we would like to ask you a tiny favour. that's not monetary, so don't turn off now. Just a little one. This is just a little call if you could share this podcast with someone you know who likes horror films. Yeah. Or if you could review us on iTunes or just share the podcast on your Facebook page. It all helps a lot. That'd be lovely. And we can continue growing our little community we have online of horror fans and really get some discussions going. And that's it, really. So thanks for listening. Take it away, creepy
1: voice guy.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say... Welcome to the Madhouse.
0: Welcome to the Madhouse, my name is Joey and joining me is the only man left on earth who still thinks computers might not catch on. The man who won Man of the Match playing for Australia in a 2015 Cricket World Cup final. Traitor. And he is the man who shot the deputy. Famously, leaving the sheriff as a tribute for Bob Marley to kill. Bob Marley eventually admitted to shooting the sheriff, but... Took the secret of what happened to the deputy to his grave. Not a snitch. Yeah. Right, good day, mate. It's uh, Jimmy, boy. Oi. Oi, oi. Good
1: day. How are you uh, doing? Uh, yeah, I'm alright. I was going to carry on the Australian oh, accent, I was hoping you would. I changed my mind. Well,
0: there we go. <laughs> that is, uh, Jimmy Fortner is actually an Australian cricketer. Uh, yeah. And an actor. But different Jimmy Fortners.
1: <laughs> anyway, it's episode eleven. Eleven. Here we go. I'm just about recovered from episode ten. That was a long one. It was a long hangover as well.
0: It was about an hour and a half when it came out. It was a lot longer than that when it went into editing. Ed- 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 editing. Yeah, he's still drunk from that episode. Uh, no, <laughs> I've actually drank a lot less than the beginning of last episode because
1: I was very aware of my slurring. Yeah, we're taking a more sober take on this film, I think. Yes. mean i have only had three, so that's a start. I'm still on my first one. There you go, self-control.
0: Just, yeah. Uh, so this is episode 11. Our next run up to episode 20, where we do Dawn of the Dead by George A. Romero. And today's episode was my choice. And it was... The Mummy, 1959, uh, Hammer Horror. Yeah, uh, we didn't specify what, last episode. I just said The Mummy. I'm hoping you haven't done a Brendan Fraser film.
1: Oh, I was talking to I was talking to my friend today at work, and he said, "What are you doing tonight in your podcast?" And I said, oh, I'm doing the I'm doing the Mummy tonight." And he went, "Oh, the Brendan Fraser one?" <laughs> I went. <laughs> Dude, we're a bit more credible than that, man. It's, <laughs> it's Hammer House a Horror one. Tom Cruise one, then. <laughs> Does he sound like that, or did I just make fun of him a lot? Uh, No, he kind of sounds like that, but he won't mind if he hears it. He probably uh, won't hear it. Okay. Stoners, He's pr- probably I So
0: it's not Tom Cruise. It's not, not Brendan B- Fraser.
1: It is Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. A couple of, couple of big names. In the hammer house of horror, uh what would you call it? they're called players, aren't they, yeah, roster players, yeah, massive on the bits. books, yeah, for hammer horror, so I mean yeah, we'll get to what they've done, but uh so it was first distributed in the u s a on a double bill with either the bat with, of course, our Lord and Saviour, Vincent Price, in, and uh, or Curse of the the Undead. So I'd like to go and see that double bill. That does sound like a good double bill. Uh, uh, One of them ones, a drive-in. Yes. Take your chick down to the drive-in, get some fries, and watch uh, this English horror film.
0: I do want to do that one day. Not necessarily this specific horror film, although it would be fun, but I I want to do a drive-in.
1: I wanted to I wanna do that one where you get to watch jaws but you're in like a lake Oh yeah I've seen that and you're sat on like rubber rings that'd be fun.
0: Problem is that's fine in some parts of the US. In the UK it's gonna piss it down. It's gonna be cold. (laughs) You gotta get ready
1: you gotta be in full wetsuit. Yeah. I think. So the mummy. Like it? Um yes. It was the first time I seen it. It's not my favourite line that Hammer... Went down. I prefer Frankenstein films that they did, and the Dracula ones. Yeah. But, yeah, it was all right. It was good. Should we do a plot slot? Yes, okay. something else first,
0: or plot slot? Plot. Slot. Slot. Plot
1: slot. Okay. Timer is set for... (laughs) 10 minutes. (laughs) Okay. Egypt, 1895. An Egyptian archaeologist... Uh, Archaeology Expedition finds an ancient badge in the sand. Archaeologists Stephen Banner and Joseph Whimple take it to show Stephen's son John, played by Peter Cushion, who is resting in a near- nearby tent because he's broken his bloody leg somehow. They believe the badge indicates they are close to finding the concealed tomb of Princess Anaka on the basis that the badge May have come from one of her soldiers. Despite their excitement, they're also concerned about the implication of John's leg having not been treated, not been set, and therefore not going to heal properly. So he's going to have a limp for the rest of his life. But yeah, he doesn't seem to care, does he? Nah, he don't care. He's all about the
0: tomb, Egypt tomb stuff. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, at the entrance to the tomb, archaeology—that's what you're thinking of. At the yeah, entrance what? to the tomb, they are stopped by an Egyptian
1: man, Mohammed Bey. Played by George Pastel. Sorry, I just want to put out if you if you ever want to have a racial stereotype of an Egyptian man, oh, pop a little God. fez on him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crikey. Anyway, nineteen fifty-nine is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, carry on.
0: Uh no, it's a good point, and we need to keep <laughs> making them. Uh anyway, this uh classic Egyptian looking man with a fez implores them not to open the tomb for fear of the consequences. But Stephen and Joseph ignore him and enter anyway. Inside, they find a sarcophagus and... uh, The sarcophagus of the princess Anunca. Joseph goes back outside to tell John of their discovery. And Stephen remains inside and finds a scroll of life. But as he picks it up, a door in the wall of the tomb opens behind him.
1: So, this different old fart shouldn't be going around picking things up, I reckon. Because he's just kicked off something. Anyway... Uh, outside, Joseph and John hear Stephen scream. Joseph, another dithering old fart, re-enters the tomb to find Stephen comatosed. Probably having a nap. Silly old git. Well, he's not having a nap. No, he ain't. But, but he, I, you wouldn't put it past him.
0: I want to say they were all dithering old farts doing this archaeology. They get other people to do the work at the time. Yeah, all the They'd little They'd walk Egyptians. in. Uh, and they would do, uh, what's it, no due diligence. They'd pick all this shit up and just take it back. Yeah. Without documenting anything anyway several months later and Joseph and John are removing the last of the relics from the tomb they discuss Stephen who has been in a mental hospital ever since and may never be cured after everything has been removed one of their Egyptian servants reseals the tomb with explosives careless again that's the way they used to do it apparently is it? I think so yeah okay you get the plasterers in and just kind of make it all nice again yeah
1: Uh, where am I? Nearby Mohammed Bey offers a prayer for vengeance against those who have desecrated the tomb and he has the scroll of life in his hands
0: Back in England, in the future 1898, so really in the past but in the future for the film
1: After three years at the
0: mental hospital Stephen has improved and John goes to visit him. Stephen does not remember John's broken leg and says he should have got it set even though he was the one who kind of responsible for him not getting it set, but he doesn't remember any of that. But he does remember when he read the scroll of life in Princess Anunka's tomb. He brought a mummy back to life, and he became agitated.
1: John, don't believe him, but Stephen warns him that someone has the scroll and the mummy will be released again. Two drunk men <laughs> leave a nearby pub to transport a wooden crate on their horse and cart. Uh... They neck these pints down, uh, half pints down, rapid. I might add, they are pretty good. Thirsty, at the nursing home, Stephen becomes agitated about the mummy again and smashes the window just as the horse and cart passes. They mention that as well. They go, "Oh, look, this madman!" Yeah, they start rushing because they're like,
0: "We don't want to get yeah. attacked by a madman." So Mental. the crate starts bouncing about as they increase their speed. Should have strapped it down. They, one of them said that. He did. Yeah, and he the... was like, "No, nah, it's not far." Yeah, come on. Uh, I like these two characters, by the way. I do, yeah. I was watching, I was like, it's me and Jimmy. Yeah, we've got a lot in common with them. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the crate becomes loose and falls off the cart into a watery bog. I mean, how many times have we done that? Of course. Uh, There's always
1: bloody watery bogs nearby, aren't there? And always people asking us to
0: take crates places. Uh, the police and men search for the crate but are unable to find it. Mahomet Bey appears and tells the policeman they were transporting the crate to him at a nearby large house, and it contained ancient egyptian relics god
1: that's terrible Are you bob marley is that how i came across <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> at the nursing home the doctor explains to john that stephen has had to be restrained but they do not really understand the reasons for his agitation back at the bog our uh, stereotypical egyptian muhammad Bey reads the scroll of life to resurrect the mummy Bay instructs the mummy to seek out those who desecrated the tomb and take vengeance against them. The mummy goes to the mental hospital, breaks through the bars of the window to Stephen's room and then strangles him.
0: At the subsequent inquest, the conclusion is forced entry and murder by person or persons unknown. Joseph and John return home to look through Stephen's papers in attempt to discover who may, who may have wished Stephen harm. They discuss the discovery of Princess Ananka's tomb and the point when Stephen lost his mind. John reads the story of Princess Ananka's death from illness on a pilgrimage.
1: In a flashback, the body of Princess Ananka is anointed in a ceremony overseen by a high priest, Karas. Is that how you pronounce that? Karas? Karas. Karas, I think it is. A body is taken in a long procession by Karas, to be entombed along with various symbolic relics and statues. Her body is laid to rest in a tomb in the side of a mountain a thousand miles from her home. because She died on the way. Yes. They were traveling somewhere, weren't they? Yeah. And she, she got ill and she died. That's why they're thousands of miles. Anyway, in various ceremonies over the following days, slaves and maidens are sacrificed to ensure the location of the tomb remains a secret. That's what they
0: did with the moon landings, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> just no, they just,
1: they just paid like 4,000 people to keep quiet.
0: Oh, yeah, hang on. This is a far-fetched one, but they actually landed on the moon. Mental. No. Uh, finally, Kairis returns to the tomb alone with the scroll of life. He had secretly been in love with a which was forbidden for a priest, and he tries to bring her back to life by reading the scroll. However, he is caught in the act and sentenced to have his tongue cut out, and to remain on to guard for eternity at the tomb. He's wrapped in bandages and buried alive in a secret chamber, hastily built next to Ananka
1: in the tomb. Yeah, they did that well quick, didn't they? They must have known that someone else was going to be in there. Christ. Joseph and John think that Stephen possibly lost his mind over the myths in the story of Ananka and Karas. At his house, Bay... ...offer a prayer to his Egyptian god... ...and instructs the mummy of Karas ...to destroy the second of the tomb's desiccators... ...as the mummy walks through the woods... ...it's seen by a poacher... ...played by Michael Ripper... ...who flees to the pub... ...the mummy bursts through the door of Joseph... ...and John's house strangles Joseph... ...John is unable to stop the mummy... ...so runs to get a gun... ...in a lockbox... ...which that took a lot of time... ...he fires several shots hitting the mummy a few times as it leaves, but to no effect. Inspector
0: Mulroney, which is sounds, Mulroney! sounds like, and it's Ed Byrne. <laughs> Ed Byrne. Uh, not the comedy, not the co- the comedian, sorry, an older <laughs> one. <laughs> he arrives at the house, and John explains that he believes it was a mummy that murdered Joseph because of Stephen and Joseph's discovery of Princess Anunka's tomb. In another flashback, Stephen is shown reading the scroll of life in the tomb and the mummified Kharis comes back to life. As Stephen screams, Bay enters the tomb and orders the mummy back into its burial chamber. Bay leaves with the scroll. Mulrooney, Mulrooney does not believe John's story about the mummy killing Joseph, saying he wants cold hard facts. John warns Mulrooney that he may be next to be killed, as in John may, ne- may be next, not Mulrooney.
1: At the police station, the poacher is brought in, describes Mulrooney, the figure he saw in the woods. Mulrooney Also interviews one of the men who transported the crates. They sobered up, sort of. And a policeman who searched the crate in the bog and spoke to our little Egyptian friend. Bay offers another prayer to his gods and instructs the mummy to destroy the last of the tomb's desiccators. Desecrators, sorry. At his home, John notices that his wife,
0: Isabel, bears a striking resemblance to a picture of Princess Ananka. John mentions his fears about being attacked by the mummy to Isabel and asks her to remain upstairs where she will be safe. Get up there, woman. John gets a shotgun ready as the mummy makes its way towards his house. The mummy breaks in through the window and John shoots it, but to no avail. He then impales the mummy with a spear, but the mummy still attacks and starts to strangle him. Isabel runs downstairs and. dayum! Just in the nick of time. <laughs> what does she do? Uh, runs downstairs and when the mummy sees her, he stops strangling John. The mummy approaches Isabel calmly because of her resemblance to Princess Ananka and then leaves the house quietly.
1: Mulrooney returns to the house, now believing John's story, and asks John about the Egyptian man living in the house near the nursing home. After Mulrooney leaves, John heads towards Bay's house. Inside the house, Bay believes the mummy has killed all three desecrators and orders the mummy to rest before they return home. John arrives at Bay's house and they exchange courtesies. Uh, Bay wonders why archaeologists like John desecrate Egyptian tombs, which were meant to be sealed for all of time. And John explains it's there so they can understand history and civilization. John expresses
0: his opinions that the ancient Egyptians lacked intelligence because they believed in a worthless god and sacrificed people violently. Bay uh, disagrees, uh, as it's part of Egyptian culture. Still wearing his face. Yeah, obviously. And uh, standing there with his hands menacingly together all the time.
1: And he's got that tash as well. Is, he has, yeah. Very Egyptian.
0: Uh, and he suggests that John should be punished for his views. John apologizes and, in the process of leaving, notices Bay has the seal to Ananka's tomb on a table.
1: He plays it coy, Roy, though, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Like, he's like, oh, this is... uh is this, oh, what's uh, this? 17th dynasty? Yeah. He gets it like... wrong on purpose. Very clever. Yeah. Well done, Cushing.
0: Bay returns to pray to his god to apologise for his failure and promises that he will ensure the last desecrator will be dead before sunrise.
1: John returns home and he and Isabel and Marune prepare for the arrival of the mummy with loaded guns. Isabel and Mulroney and a policeman hide in the woods around the house. Bay and the mummy approach through the woods and attack. The first uh, attack first the poacher, then the policeman, then not Mulroney unconscious before entering the house. <laughs> the, the the mummy attacks
0: John and he fires twice before the mummy starts to strangle him. Isabel runs in and tells the mummy to stop. At first the mummy ignores her until John instructs her to let her hair down so she more closely resembles Princess Ananka. Bay orders the mummy to kill her, but when it refuses, he tries to stab her himself. The mummy attacks Bay, and Isabel faints. Of course.
1: The mummy picks up Isabel and carries her to the bog, followed by John Mulroney and several men. John calls to Isabel to wake her up, and she instructs the mummy to put her down. Once she is free, the men open fire, and the mummy sinks into the bog water clutching the scroll of life
0: the end and you know what's lucky no that guns hadn't worked the whole type of the film but somehow they had magic ones at the end that did work yeah somehow
1: they managed to knock it down even Uh, though john fired it three shot at it three times it didn't knock him down
0: well good film though yeah it's all right nice i enjoy it right so plot slots done which means next we are shifting on and uh, heading on over to Frights and Delights. Yes. Frights and Delights.
1: Here we go. Stumbling out of the tomb. It's Frights and Delights. What you got? I'm starting
0: off with a fright. Okay. You, I think I you start with a uh, delight, but this uh, was interesting. Sir so Christopher Lee did not have a great time during filming this film. Oh. <laughs> he damaged his back carrying Yvonne Feneur. Yes. Think, uh the Princess Anunka and John's wife. Yep. Uh he suffered burns to his skin from the squibs used when Cushin's character shot him. <laughs> he injured his shins and knees while shooting the swamp scenes as he couldn't see where all the piping was under the water, and he dislocated his shoulder while bashing through a door that was bolted when it was not meant to be. Oh, what? That shot was kept in the film, and I think it's when he killed John's dad, and he bashed through the front door of the house. Yeah. Uh, all these injuries, though, were said to have contributed to the way the mummy moves more and more stiffly and awkwardly through the film.
1: Yeah, he looks like he's in pain. Yeah, <laughs> Uh
0: so you know, it was a bit of acting for that walk, and a bit of holy shit, I'm in pain right now. Yes, method. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, you, you got one.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, I've got another fright when Kaharis is that how we're pronouncing it? karis Khaharis is brought back to life as a mummy. He's in a standing position, but in the flashback scenes, is is shown to have been buried alive and, without food or water sealed in a wall crypt, he would almost certainly have collapsed before he died and thus should not have been standing when reanimated thousands of years later. That's true. But what are you going to do?
0: Well, they could have just had him slapped and then stand up when the door opened. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Yeah. Uh, Fright. The scene where Karis had his tongue cut out, was originally more detailed and graphic, but it was toned down by the British censors because gore is not the British way. It's just not cricket, Jimmy.
1: <laughs> I'd like them to have shown a bit more of that, but yeah, it isn't the British way, you're it, right.
0: It came off a bit cheesy, like it didn't fit. So uh, yeah. that makes sense to me that they did it yeah. one way and then had to do another.
1: I don't like how they... Browned up the uh, actors who clearly were not that color. No, do you know what I mean? Yes, they, like it is kind of that era of let's right. This Christopher isn't... Lee's white, but let's put a bit of brown snazaro on him, and uh, he'll pass as an Egyptian priest.
0: Yeah, it wasn't Mohammed Bey played by a white guy. No. He's you know
1: actually—I uh, think he was Libyan or uh, a, uh, Cyprus. He was a, a Cypriot, okay. I think uh, he actually was, but again, they popped a little fez on his head to make sure that everybody knew that he was an Egyptian. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Soup. This this yeah. film is not too far before the famous racist <laughs> thing <laughs> in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Have you seen it? I've never seen it, no. Um, Her landlord upstairs is a Chinese guy. Okay. But is not a Chinese guy. He's played by a famous white guy. Oh, right. And that... Imagine your drunk, racist uncle... Yeah. ...going out to a Chinese and doing the impressions. Right. Oh, that... How are? In... <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly that with the hat and oh, okay. the moustache to twiddle. Right. Uh, oh, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's that time period. But it it is, is awkward to watch now.
1: They did it in the eighties as well. Short circuit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because he was—he's a white man, so and they put I grew brown, up on thinking he was Indian.
1: Yeah, and then watched it
0: as an adult, and it's quite clear. Yeah,
1: ah, that is johnny number five. He's in Friends.
0: Yes. Yeah, Sam, yeah. Sammy told me that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it.
1: Uh, yeah, it's mental. So you could, you were getting away with it up until the eighties. Yeah. What's the robot called? Johnny Number Five. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That, well, that impression
0: is both bang on and terrible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's I a impression of him doing a terrible one. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Awkward racism in old films. It's there. Yep. <laughs> Uh, is it my turn or your yes, turn? Yes, you go for it. Okay, this is uh, Fright and the Light, I think. Hammer Film Studios were awarded the rights by Universal Studios to remake their classic horror films. So The Mummy is not just a remake of one film. The title is taken from its 1932 namesake. The plot is lifted from The Mummy's Hand and The Mummy's Tomb, both made in 1940s, and the ending was taken from The Mummy's Ghost. Only a few small elements of the 1932 version made it into this version, uh, such as the scroll aspect of the story. Uh, the mummy walking across a tomb and scaring someone to the point of insanity was also in the original. Uh, and despite all this borrowing from other films, and this is why this is a fright, no credit or acknowledgement of these earlier iterations is given.
1: Oh, okay. I also... Um... Uh... Karis and uh, is it um, Imhotep from the Universal Pictures? Oh, the, the names. Mummy. Um, I think that their sort of their stories are similar. Okay, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Instead of making them all separate, they seem to make a nice little blend.
1: Yeah, I enjoy what Hammer did with the Frankenstein movies. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I mean, they had to call it Frankenstein, <laughs> Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but I thought all of them were great. Yeah. They do good. Dracula's good as well. Uh, I mean, Dracula- is this
0: our first Hammer horror? It is, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. So we have loads to do, which is a good.
1: Yeah, we got loads. Yeah. Lots
0: and lots of Hammer. A ahead. lot, of
1: pi- lot, of- lot of cushion, lot of Lee. Yeah. A lot of Lee, a lot of cushion.
0: More cushion for the Pushing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm leaving that in. Okay, I've got a delight, if you can let me move on from yeah, that. Yeah, do it. Peter Cushing for the Pushing, in the documentary, In Flesh... Don't look at me like that. In Flesh and Blood, The Hammer Heritage of Horror, released in 1994, he said he came up with the idea to whack a spear through the mummy. Because the poster that was knocking around promoting the film while it was being made showed the mummy with a hole through its abdomen and torchlight shining through the hole, and it inspired him. That poster's amazing.
1: Yeah, the artwork's great. Hammer always get the art right, artwork right. Yeah, artwork, names of movies, players, stories, everything. Yeah, always sort of 19th century. Yeah, style. Yeah, like people always wearing. Oh, what are those things called? Like when Cushion's just relaxing in this. A cravat. His, oh. cravat. It's... He's got his smoking jacket on and yeah, it's yeah. cravat. Like, yeah. Everyone's like smoking a pipe his... and got shotguns. Yeah, pouring out a whiskey. Yeah. To... Oh, woman. Go
0: upstairs. I was just about to say, why can't we do all that stuff these days? But I don't want to do the last one. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> Still. We should do one in our uh, smoking jackets and pipes the next time a horror film
1: just... Yeah, we'll get a couple of wing-back chairs. Yeah. By the fire. I got fire. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of that. Yeah, that would be good. That's a good picture for us as well. I'll have a pint of cider in me hand, though. Instead uh, of a bottle brandy. of Bucky as well. That would be good. Yeah. Let's do that. Brandy
0: glasses with butt fast.
1: Yes. Right. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. Um, I don't have any more.
0: Okay. Well, I've got a few. Okay, go on. Uh, This film has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Uh, It only has a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, showing that critics and reviewers, ourselves included, are full of opinionated shit. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, uh, I'm not going to even try and defend ourselves. You might like films that we don't like, and we might like films you don't like. Uh, that's just the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But 10 out of 10 is... 100%, sorry. For Rotten tomorrow. That's pretty good. There was a sequel made in 1964 that did not star either Cushing or Lee. Mental! Why not? They probably said no. Oh. I can't imagine they didn't ask them. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it did have George Pastel and George's Fez reprise their role as Mahomet
1: Bey. Was it the same Fez?
0: Uh, I don't know. Oh, right. It didn't okay. get credit. Oh. Uh, Mahomet Bey... Also, sounds like a good place to go surfing.
1: It does. It sounds like a beachy resort. Yes.
0: Mahomet Bay. Uh, we're just heading down to Mahomet Bay to catch some waves.
1: Yeah? Yeah, dude. <laughs>
0: in ancient Egypt, this is a fright. In ancient Egypt, it was customary for death masks to be painted with open eyes so that the dead could see in the afterlife. Uh, Princess Anunka's mask has the eyes painted shut. So whatever realm she is chilling out in these days, she can't see it, <laughs> and she's probably pissed off.
1: I think that I would like to, uh, a death mask. Just in general? No, when I'm dead. I like. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I've got two <laughs> options for when I die, at the moment, off the top of my head, that I've just thought of right now. Okay. I want somebody, possibly Nat, to, when I die, hopefully if I'm near her, to plaster my face and get the last like look on my face and I want her to then uh, latex that up into a mask yeah. to have in the flat and I would like people who come around I oh, know maybe that's getting a bit weird actually to wear it but it no started maybe not getting weird it. way before you thought it right did. okay <laughs> uh, the second thing is do you remember on channel 4 late at night when they used to have live autopsies yeah Okay, I wanted to give my body to that g- creepy guy. What with was big... that
0: doctor called? German dude. Ah, he's f***ing weird. They he's... are going to remove his skin now.
1: Yeah, and he had that weird hat. Yes. He looked oh, like, yeah. He looked like out, he... straight out of a horror film. Yeah, he was an
0: evil German could've... dude.
1: Yeah, could have been human centipede. So I wanted to give my body to that. But they covered up the faces with, like, polystyrene. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I would say is I don't want my face covered up because I want people to see me on the telly. Uh, I actually I remember watching that and I remember seeing
0: a tattoo. And on someone on one of the dead corpses, right? And whoever I was watching it with uh, said that should not be there because the reason they cover up the faces is so that you can't identify it as what because all these bodies are just picked from all the bodies that donate their body to science. Yeah. No one donated their body straight to that show. So someone, someone's loved one could have died. And then they're watching this show yeah. a few weeks later. And there's their husband or wife coming off ice. Oh, Christ. Dave. And he's <laughs> yeah. having his tits cut off
1: by a mental German doctor.
0: There was a weird show. I can't believe it was um, on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I watched it out of curiosity. And then I was like, ex- holy it. shit, they've taken the skin off a man. You couldn't do it now because people would f***ing complain about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they'd have. They'd have Ironically, to they'd it.
0: skin you alive for putting it on television. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, another thing, I uh, a body farm. Yeah, I'd like my body to go. Yeah, to a body farm, maybe. Okay. Just,
0: Stephen Fry went to a body farm. Yeah, and...
1: I'd like my. I'd like to be laid out, butt naked, pint glass in my hand. Effects of alcoholism. <laughs> I think it would be so. A yeah. pint glass in my hand. You'd
0: still be preserved like ten years later. Yeah,
1: face down on the floor. With like a little bit of Strongbow in the bottom of my glass and we'll see what happens. Oh, this is dark. Okay. I'm
0: going to get put in a lead-lined airtight coffin, preserved in a cryo unit and shot off into space. The direction there are most likely to be aliens. Okay. So they can bring me back to life and I can live as a pet. Okay.
1: First question. Why would they want to bring you back to life? Curiosity. Right. Second question. Why would they want to bring it back to life?
0: <laughs> if an alien landed here, dead but preserved, and we had the tech to bring it back to life to ask it questions, we would.
1: Have you got more about this film? Because this is a great segue into what I've got coming up. Because this is gonna this is gonna work out beautifully. You do your segue, and I'll bring it back. It's long. Yeah, it's fine. It's a lecture, right? So, are you familiar with the ancient astronaut theories? Yes. No. I know of it. I don't know much about it. Okay, so proponents of the ancient astronaut hypothesis often maintain that humans are either descendants or creations of extraterrestrial intelligence who landed on Earth thousands of years ago. An associated idea is that humans evolved independently, but that much of human knowledge, religion and culture came from extraterrestrial visitors in ancient times in that ancient astronauts acted as a mother culture. Some ancient astronaut pro- proponents also believe that travelers from outer space refer- referred to as astronauts or spacemen built many of the structures on Earth, such as Egyptian pyramids and the, uh, the stone heads of Easter Island, uh, or they helped humans build them. Where would you stand on this? Uh, where do I stand on the
0: international theory? Yeah, I'm going to chuck a couple more. But I've, got, I've got more. Uh, I don't believe it. I believe... Okay, this is a deep question. Okay. Because I believe it's naive to think that we are the only life that ever has, ever is, or ever will be existing in the universe. Okay, yeah. It's too much time, too much space... Yeah. So many planets we've already discovered in only like the last 10 years, and we've had the opportunity to discover other planets that are habitable. But I think there's too much evidence the other way that humans did all the shit on Earth, rather than uh, aliens.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to take you back to ancient Mesopotamia. Oh, we're getting into Mesopotamia. The DeLorean. Yep, and it's we're going back to around 4000 BC. was a fertile region called Sumer, and... The people referred to as uh, Sumerians. Yep, I am familiar. So these people, like the Egyptians, bringing it back to the actual film, were pretty with it for the age in which they lived. They had an advanced knowledge of mathematics and architecture and created some interesting art that still survives today because of some of the things they left behind. We know that Sumerians uh, revered gods that they called the Anunnaki. And not only the Sumerians, apparently other cultures in the Mesopotamia I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. knew of these deities as well. These days, the Anunnaki are at the center of a great deal of debate regarding ancient aliens and what actually the ancient people knew. Is this God Planet X? Uh, that is quite interesting. Saw that at the uh, what's that place called? Space Museum. Planet Space X, where they were looking. Yep, yeah, that's it. Where they were looking yeah. for Pluto. Yes, and it. Move back
0: There's, and forth. So I heard the Planet X theory, uh, years and years ago, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I moved on to, oh, that's bullshit. And then I heard that because of the um orbits of the planets, they actually are looking for a large planet in the out far outer solar system. Yes, actually, it, like there are actual scientific papers. Yeah, so there there may be a, a
1: large planet. So, all right, that's good. So there's this guy Zachariah Stitchin who believed the Anunnaki originated from Niberia. Eh, Niberiu? Nibiru, Nibiru, a rogue Nibiru, a rogue planet that takes thousands of years to orbit the sun. The Anunnaki who came to Earth were working class aliens sent here to mine gold, which they used for fuel. So Thatcher came along and stopped them. Right. Oh, political. Right. So they brought that back to their their homeland when they rebelled against the poor working conditions. The decision was made to genetically modify prehistoric humans, Homo erectus, by incorporating Anunnaki. You shaking your head? Uh, by incorporating Anunnaki DNA and creating a new slave species. Boom! In the blink of an eye, Homo sapiens were born, and that's obviously us. Are you following? I'm following. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you stand on this? Uh, well, I'm for. Fu- I fully believe that. I fully believe the ancient astronaut theory, hundred percent. You reckon I 100%. aliens
0: came from a planet that's orbiting around? And uh, because I I heard the theory that this planet takes the last time the planet would have been in orbit close to Earth was when the pyramids were built, was actually makes them older than egyptologists currently you yes. think yes and, and it's because of weathering on the sphinx uh, so i yeah. believe all this stuff that we might yeah. have the date wrong yeah also because of the lining up of the great pyramids with orion's belt yes if you can track the stars back
1: yeah they all they, they do line up and uh the brightest of the stars in orion's belt lines up with the biggest pyramid And then the next, the slightly dimmer one lines up with the second largest pyramid. And then the one that's sort of off the diagonal of it, the smallest one, is the dimmest pyramid. Mm. Anyway, I was going to say something. That's it. There's another theory that at some point, maybe, I don't know, maybe in the next hundred years or so, we will be able to build a spaceship in space. So how like yeah. we have with the space station, space station, and gateway to the moon is being built. Yeah, we will be able to build a spaceship that will that will be able to travel. I think ninety nine percent light speed. So not proper yeah. full light speed, but ninety nine percent or something. And it will eventually it will travel to a planet very similar to Earth back in prehistoric times. So humans will land on this planet and they will find humans or such like cavemen and that we will land on that planet and then we will teach them fire and things like that and then that will be the next earth all right so it's very if uh, aliens know where we are
0: yes and they gave us a technology yeah why are they still not helping us because
1: now bill murray said who is... is Bill Murray in on this? <laughs> uh no, sorry, not Bill Murray. I do apologise. Uh Dan Aykroyd. I mean Dan Aykroyd. Gosh, sorry. Uh Dan Aykroyd believes that the aliens that come to Earth are just tourists just coming to visit. Just yeah. to have a little look. And you were just a Sunday trip out. Yeah. Which I think They're is... not waiting
0: for us to build warp speed. No. Warp engine. So.
1: Yeah. Uh... Oh no. Okay. You're right. Yeah, I've just um Is yeah. your computer dead? No, nearly. No. Okay. So uh well I'll probably leave it there.
0: Uh yeah, I'm probably on board but in a certain percentage that's below forty. Okay. <laughs> but I remain open to the possibility of our new alien overlords and I welcome them. Well, we should. We should. Um, right. Are you ready for my uh, my last two, which are going to be a bit of a disappointment?
1: Yeah, well, I went off on that. a bit of a tangent then. I thought this was the o- this is the only film that we've done so far that I could try and sneak in some sort of alien sort of thing. I've missed out a lot of stuff, I but lo- you know what?
0: I do go down that rabbit hole. I, I do ha- go down the rabbit hole of Nah, uh, Nibiribu, Nir- 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 that's what it's called, isn't it? Yes, Planet X. Yeah. Um, so you know, I don't not believe this stuff. I just find it hard to believe.
1: I have more stuff to say on this, but I will. I'm going to post it on the Facebook page. Oh yeah, do it.
0: Uh, okay, I'm going to do an, uh, another delight before we finish up. Bring us back down to earth.
1: Yeah, good segue <laughs> <laughs> and the wink as well.
0: <laughs> uh, this film is pretty damn good. With a cast that includes two of the most epic actors ever. Yep. We said last episode that the best three horror actors of all time were Vincent Price, yep. Christopher Lee, yep. and Peter Cushing. Yes. A group I think we should henceforth call the Trifecta of Terror.
1: Oh, that's good. You think of that yourself? I did, yeah. Fucking amazing. I even had
0: to Google Trifecta because Sammy didn't believe it was a word, but it is. So <laughs> <Ha>! <laughs> This film... <laughs> Only has two of the trifecta, obviously. But if you were lucky enough... Oh, you've already said this. and carry on. To see this in the theatre when it was released in the US, you may have been able to see it as a double bill with another film called Bat.
1: Yeah. Starring
0: bat. our lord and saviour Vincent Price. Yes. One last thing before we move on over late to Master of the Carb. Sorry. That's all right. There was a comic strip of this film made in 1978 for the magazine Hammer Halls of Horror. The cover of that issue was a painting by Brian Lewis of Christopher Lee as Karis, and I will put that picture on Facebook, probably on the day of the release of this podcast. Yes. And that's all I've got. Okay. So, thank you for your alien theory, and thank you for all of our frights and delights. Beautiful. And we are doing our mosey on over to the Master of the Macabre. Master of the Macabre. It's time for Master of the Macabre. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Are you uh, ready for Master of the Macabre, Jimmy? Do you have one choice, two choices, or three two. choices? i got okay.
1: two. got two, I think. I've got the one. I see your one. Uh, I see your one.
0: <laughs> Peter Cushing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The obvious choice I've gone for. To him, my spiel. Yeah, go on. Peter let's
1: f- see your reasons for it. First
0: of all, it's Peter f- Cushing, obviously. <laughs> Jesus. And yes, Christopher Lee is in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so usually he'd be up for contender, right? But he doesn't have many lines, and the lines he does have, they have to be delivered in a stilted Egyptian priest kind of way. Yes. He had the mummy walk down. Yeah. And he did it all very well. Yeah. But Cushing had to really put the legwork. In yeah, if you excuse the leg worky, was that a pun? Oh uh, yeah, because he's got a broken leg, leg isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and without Cushing as the lead in this film, delivering his lines bang on as he does, yeah, There's never going to be as
1: legendary, legendary as it is. Cushing looks great in every film I think that he's in. He's yes. always got that same hairstyle. He's got that sort of, he's got the cheekbones, and he? he's kind of yeah. gaunt looking.
0: And he gets more and more pronounced. Yeah. The he got.
1: Yeah. He's a very, very, very good actor. Oh, God, there's a, there's a great line. I can't, ex- I can't remember it exactly, but he's facing back from the camera, and then he turns round quite swiftly, and he says like, "But that's just absurd," <laughs> something, something like that. Not as camp. I can't remember what it was, and I was doing it. I,
0: was, I can't remember.
1: I was saying it to Nat all the time. She would say something, and then I just. Dramatically turn around and <laughs> that's just absurd. I don't know the line. No, I don't either. But yeah, it it's very Facebook. cool. Put it on Facebook when you <laughs> Yeah, we'll do. I'll find it. I'll find the clip. Get Nat to film you doing it and put that on Facebook. Yeah. What It's just a very swift turn around back to the yeah, camera. He's got... Turn around. Well that's just, that's just absurd.
0: <laughs> it rings a bell now, but I don't know if it's just because you just did it a minute ago. Yeah, um, maybe. His line delivery is perfect. Like Yes. Sorry, I just twatted my mic. Um, <laughs> throughout his career, his line delivery has been perfect. So it's not anything different in his film, but it is no. brilliant. So I gave it to him. He had a lot more to do than Christopher Lee. He had a lot more to do than anyone else to carry this film. Yes. I'm surprised his back wasn't hurting after carrying this film.
1: <laughs> yeah, from his shoulders of its eyes, yeah. Uh,
0: who are your two choices, anyway?
1: I've got... Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. These guys have played some of the best characters in cinema, cinematography, cinematographic sure. In film history, <laughs> they've played some of the biggest characters. You've got
0: cinematic history. Cinematic <laughs> history is
1: the word I'm looking for. You've got Cushing. What did he do? So he did Frankenstein. He played Van Helsing. He's played Sherlock Holmes. He played uh fucking Doctor Who. He was Star Wars. Star Wars uh Tarkin. That's it. Moff, yeah. Star Wars. Christopher Lee also Star Wars. So yeah. And then yeah, and then you've got uh you got Christopher Lee who was he was Frankenstein's monster. He was Dracula, he's the mummy. He was uh, Scaramanga, James Bond. He was oh yeah, Golden gun. Lord of the Rings, Saron. Yes, Dark Lord Saron. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a heavy metal singer. Some of his music's fucking banging. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard any of that. I'm have you have not? Have... No. Oh shit! You need to a you need to listen this because it's fucking great. Uh, so they have played some massive character, fictional characters across. The Spectrum. I wanted to give it to Christopher Lee because I thought how he played the mummy as opposed to Boris Karloff playing the mummy. I think I like Christopher Lee better because, I don't know, maybe he looked better and it's British. I like Christopher Lee <laughs> But anyway, I think it should be Cushion. I think it just should be... It's more cushion for the pushing. Oh, you look disgusted when I said that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Stole that line.
0: <laughs> well, I'm all for Peter Cushing. That's what I said. And I, I agree with everything about Christopher Lee's performance, but Peter Cushing had so much more to do.
1: Yeah, he had to get that limp down, which yeah. he lost a couple of times, if you notice. Some, <laughs> yeah. some of the times he was yeah. walking normal. It's like, uh, but we'll forgive him for that. Maybe he
0: hurt... His other leg, and it just balanced out. Yeah, yeah. So for that scene. Yeah. So uh, Peter Cushing, with his beautiful
1: suave, sophisticated manner, I think father treated
0: everybody perfectly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or such other words that he might have said.
1: Yeah. Um. This is absurd. <laughs> anyway, anyway, great shirt. He's got a medal on his way. Yes. To uh, wherever he is right now. Uh, rest his soul very deep below ground unless he's been cremated and then he's in a pot somewhere yeah it'll find him it'll uh, get out to you there spiritually we're sending out good vibes fingers crossed one day you will be reanimated in the zombie apocalypse actually you won't because you would be six feet underground he was brought back for Rogue One CGI that's true yeah and he, yeah he got a post humorous award or something for yeah. that
0: yeah that was really good as well not seeing it (laughs) Uh, Rogue One's probably the best out of all the newer Star Wars worth a watch I'd watch Rogue One yeah okay well I did watch Rogue One I would recommend you watch Rogue One okay I'll do it even if it's just for CGI Peter Cushing
1: yeah well done Peter Cushing yeah
0: we are going over now to the Madhouse
1: Rating System rating the Madhouse Rating Right, we're going to walk like an Egyptian over to the Madhouse Rating System. First up, as always, tension and suspense. Nice intro. Thanks. Uh, Music,
0: once again, playing a big part in the suspense of this film with great use of percussion to emphasise the daunting attacks of the mummy. While the mummy is killing John's dad in his cell, it builds up to the point of the attack. And then slowly settled down as the life left his body, which was a nice touch. Then it built back up again to show the scale of what's just happened as the mummy leaves, and that's just one example of many where the music was used particularly well with the percussion.
1: Yes, music throughout the film. Yeah, music in Hammer House of Horror films. I think they they nail it. Yes, it's a, it's a proper score,
0: isn't it? it yeah, just. Here's a bit of music because something's happening. Yeah, it's like it's if when a silent movie had music going throughout to really just give an actual feeling the whole way through the film because nothing yeah. else. Like they kind of do that, but with dialogue. Yeah, and that's good. Uh, the other tool in this film's suspense tool belt <laughs> <Does> that works. <laughs> the other tool. He's <laughs> talking about there. The the other tool in this film's tool belt of suspense, something like that. It's the actors, anyway. Like, all of them knew when to get dramatic and when to be an aid to someone else's moment of drama. Yeah. Stand to the side and let Peter Cushion have his moment. Stand back and let his wife's character... What's her wife's character called?
1: Um, Yvonne? Yes. That's, it. Uh, that... no, that's the actress. But actress, yeah. But yeah.
0: So... She was a stunning young lady, wasn't she? She was rather stunning, Jimmy. Very lovely. I wouldn't mind having a nunker on that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, anyway, they knew what the role was every point. they on camera. <laughs> Sorry, got me again there. On camera, Peter Cushing's line delivery. Something else entirely. Brilliant. Deliver a speech about a situation, and then when it's done, the tension's ready for Christopher Lee to just smash through that door.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was very in-depth. what was uh, your description of what I said yes okay yes darling yes I however I don't know it's still again I think we need to go we have to put ourselves in 1959 when it came out Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know I'm not I'm not sold on the tension and suspense I'm not gonna lie I love it and I love the actors and I love the acting and I love all the cheap set and the way it looks and the story, but I'm not sold. I wasn't gripped. I know exactly what you mean.
0: And I think it's because it's a man wrapped in bandages, no no matter what you do.
1: Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of action. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot going
0: on. A man in bandages who has to just... move. There's no zombie back to lifeiness about this. No. The techniques deployed are about as old as the mummy itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, So there's not much to talk about with yeah. it, because they didn't do much. Yes. It was at a time period after silent films, obviously, quite a while after, but before yeah. we really figured out the action. Yeah. And before more was allowed... Yeah. You can't, in 1959, have a head just chopped off and blood spurting over it, or can you? Yeah,
1: but I think think Hammer did Frankenstein and Dracula a hundred times better than they did The Mummy. Yeah. Like, The Curse of Frankenstein, and The Revenge of Frankenstein, and Frankenstein Created Woman, and Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell... Those those films, I think, are great. I don't think they hit it on the head with The Mummy.
0: Okay.
1: I'm well, I think no f-
0: tension and suspense was standard. Apart from, like I've already said, the music, the actors were great. Maybe it, maybe it needs more than that.
1: It was those couple of old duffers at the start that were annoying me.
0: Burling uh, around, yeah.
1: trying to get in the tomb. Oh, yeah. And they were just really, idiots. really, really, really slow to get into that. Too. I'll go and tell John.
0: Uh, uh, I'll go and tell
1: John. Blah, uh, yeah. Blah, yeah.
0: Come on, granddad. Very Come on. It's eighteen ninety-five, and I'm obviously pissed.
1: <laughs> Letting all these younger Egyptian men oh, dig oh. out this tomb for me. There are very over here. And read my newspaper. <laughs>
0: And then uh, uh, Boris Johnson here. And, uh, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so,
1: uh,
0: don't give it a star then, I'm
1: fine. I'm Not saying no
0: for tension and
1: suspense. Okay. Right, next up. Gore and visual effects. The mummy I think looked fing beautiful. Yes. I don't think you could fault that. Except there is a bit, there is a scene where he's where he's just killed. Uh, John's dad in the asylum, and he's walking away, and you can clearly see the line down the back of his uh, mummy suit, and you can see the zipper, like you see the mm-hmm. line where the zipper's gone. Okay, so it doesn't look that sort of shine off. But other than that, he looked fucking great coming out the bog, <laughs> out, <sighs> not a toilet. Sorry, come out... That's where my head went. I was yeah. like, what's he talking about? She's coming out of the <laughs> fucking mummy, coming out of the bog
0: trying to say I won't go back in there.
1: It's like, <laughs> God, how long have you been sitting on that, boy? It stinks. <laughs> Saving that for a few years, have you? God, I can't see. At least if there wasn't any toilet roll, I could just rip some bandage off. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, you don't even need to do that, you just need to rub his forearm up his crack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, about the mummy, I've got it's a man wrapped in bandages. But done well. I have a, a theory that it quickly became clear to the effects department that a man just wrapped in bandages looked about as shit as it was cheap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so someone turned to someone else and said if we drop that thing in a swamp Yeah we have a swamp monster yeah. cross mummy yeah. thing. And all that swamp gloop covers up the obviously new bandages Makes the mummy look menacing, more decomposed, more disgusting, yeah. While making it less obvious it's Christopher Lee, yeah. As amazing as he is, wrapped in bandages, yeah. So that was a good call, and it saved it because it did look great,
1: yeah. It did look really good, uh, and I
0: I do think, I mean, it, it may be one of the things that was taken from the stories. It was based on him being dropped in a bog. I don't know, but I like my idea that they tried it with just bandages and went, no, it doesn't look good. We need to, we need to come up with something. Yeah. And they dropped him in a swamp.
1: Yeah, so he looked all uh, crusty.
0: Because if they didn't do that, all that happens is he gets delivered to the house correctly and the film still happens exactly the same. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I do wonder. I like it. I like to think my theory is right and it works charm. It sounds right, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of other sort of
0: Gore and visual effects. Well, there's
1: effects. no gore in it, is there? Because you don't get to see nah, it because of the censors in 1950s.
0: Yeah, I got a couple of bits about visual
1: effects oh, if you want to hear that.
0: Jack Asher, Jack, Jack Jack Asher. Asher was a director of photography, and he wanted Ananka's tomb to seem as though it had been undisturbed for millennia. Oh, So somebody walked above the set of the tomb and sprayed a, a fine mist over it, so as that mist of water drops to the floor, it brought all. It brought down all the dust particles and smoke. It said smoke in the description. I assume that's because everyone just smoked in the fifties. Probably,
1: yeah. Peter uh, cushion's probably sat there with a fag on. Yeah, the
0: cigars and brandy all over the place. Absurd. <laughs> You're getting rid of the smoke. That's absurd. Still, it it leaves a clear, undisturbed atmosphere. I like the commitment. But it seems like overkill to me in a time where you're making films that will be shown on a screen with, what, like eight pixels?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, but
0: surely the dust isn't going to show on the screen. What's going to show is the fuzziness of shit televisions.
1: I don't know. I think that's quite... Maybe that's Maybe that's before his time, Jack Asher. Do you know what I mean? Maybe he was thinking ahead.
0: Maybe it worked to treat... I mean, the cinema screens would have still been pretty good with projections in the day,
1: so... I mean, they've like when they cracked open the tomb, there was a lot of light in that tomb oh, that yeah. shouldn't have been there. I mean, the, the tomb is mysteriously well-lit. <laughs> yes. And no one has a torch. Those, are, those old duffers don't have a torch.
0: No, you're going into a tomb, you take a torch.
1: Yeah.
0: But unless you expect it to be rigged yeah. up nice by a decent electrician yeah. a few They'd, thousand years ago. Yeah, they're
1: just going in with their PIMS and the copy of the Daily <laughs> Mail. <laughs> yep. Mental. Uh, the <laughs> tomb in general
0: was done well from the like the prop detail. Yeah, the layout of it. It wasn't a two D like all against the back wall job. No, it yes. had some depth.
1: It unlike the outside of the tomb, which was clearly painted on the wall. Oh yeah, And They yeah. just chucked a bit of uh, sand down um, on the floor.
0: But like you say, if you walk into a tomb that hasn't been over for thousands of years and it has blue lights, green lights, purple lights, lights, yellow lights flashing up the place, shining all over the place, something's up. I don't know how it looked on the older screens with eight pixels on, but it takes you out of the film a bit, doesn't it? I audibly laughed. Yeah. Not just a little, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Um, I know it's for the theatrics. Yes. uh, But it was too much. Yeah, there's lights. All I could think of was the electric bill of like f- 5,000 years of racking that meter over and the everlasting <laughs> bulbs that seem to have not been invented again. Maybe it was the aliens. What do you reckon? I yeah. know you're
1: patronising me, but...
0: The ancient astronaut electricians popped down and thought this bit is just dark. Uh, anyway, moving <laughs> on. Does a great job of lighting the rest of the film, but that was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I might give it a half. I would I'm gonna give it a half just for how good uh the mummy looked. Yeah. I think.
0: And for Jack Ash's efforts.
1: Yeah. And for his efforts. Proper That's, thinking. What are we on? One and a half. It's half. I know, but five. all altogether we're on one and a half.
0: No, we didn't give it one.
1: For, no, we didn't, attention. so we're on a half. Oh, I do apologise. Half
0: out of five. I c- Sorry, I do apologise, listeners.
1: It's absurd, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It uh, happened back in my day in 1895. Uh, this lovely cider has got a little bit too much. Right, what's the next one? <laughs> Prompt me. Per Oh, here we go. Performance is the next one. Yeah, so it's two of the best
0: doing what they do best. Horror. Christopher yes. Lee didn't have many lines. As a mummy you had his tongue out it would have been difficult. I do know. Yep. Still he's great as the unstoppable force. I knew Lee was a big guy but in this film he looks like such a beast.
1: Uh, I think
0: he was 6'5". He, oh, he towers over everyone especially yeah. Mahomet he's
1: Six 6'5", yeah. Who is TG. Tiny yeah. little man.
0: Yeah. Uh, Peter cushions a master once again he could draw you draw you in with dialogue so well i reckon if you gave him a menu to read in a theater he'd get a standing ovation at the end
1: yeah he's also a very good facial actor I yeah i think like i think you can do it without words do you know what i mean you know you've got some of them actors. smell the fart acting <laughs> it's like smell the fart acting <laughs> they can't see it Jimmy oh so I I was just uh,
0: yeah doing his best Joey Tribbiani impression sorry I did it again you can't see me so anyway Peter Cushing you were on about his facial expressions
1: yes he's a very good actor he can act without words also Christopher Lee is very good and he can act without words, obviously, like he did for this entire film. And when he played uh, Frankenstein's monster, yeah. Who else is notable in this film?
0: I, I want to note uh, to note the two comedic the ah com- oh, me Jimmy the comedy relief. What, right no, okay. Not right now, no. Not right now, okay. no. Um, no, it's an totally absurd rare. idea. <laughs> well,
1: <brown>, very <brown>, drunk. <laughs> the comedy <laughs>
0: <laughs> can't say it. Uh, the two drunk guys. Yes, I loved those two guys. the swirling drinks constantly every time we're in the pub. And then when the the um, detectives trying to get information out of one, and he's like looking at his empty glass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with uh, they're damn funny. It's just, they go outside and they're and they're like, "I'll drive." No, I'll drive. You're a drunk. And he goes, no, it's my carriage and my horses. I'll drunk. A man's best friend is a horse. It's a dog. No, it's a horse. I'm not that drunk. (laughs) Yeah, nice bit of... uh, That's proper good drunk banter. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, That's all I got on performance,
1: though. I give it. There was the other guy. I think he was the poacher. And he stood in a field. And he he takes a swig of a bottle of whiskey that he's got. Takes a swig, puts it in his pocket. And then the mummy comes stumbling past him. And that sort of startles him. So this guy then runs off to the pub, goes into the pub and orders a whiskey and drinks the whiskey. He's got a bottle in his pocket.
0: He also orders, orders, orders a large whiskey and that is not...
1: Yeah, well, it might have a been lot. a large, but yeah.
0: Maybe. He says... "I." <laughs> this is me paraphrasing, but I liked it. He says something like, I've just seen something absolutely horrendous. He's like... Well, have you been around that Mandy's house again?
1: <laughs> I can't remember if it's Mandy. Uh, I don't think it would be that. I don't think that's a turn-of-the-century name. Mandy. Ethel. Sylvia. Who knows? Jane. Who knows? Woman's house. Let us know if you know what her name was. <laughs> right, performance. I'm saying a star just because of Cushion and Lee. Yep. Who and dragged Yvonne, the film. Fair fair Yvonne Ferdou. What? Ferdou. Yvonne. Anunca. Yvonne, yeah, she was good for when she was in it. Uh, I mean, she played two roles as well, didn't she? So <laughs> Yeah. I said it was Christopher Lee, so yeah, fair play.
0: No, nah, Christopher Lee played one. Same person. That's true, mummified. yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: my bad. Next on the docket. Next on the docket is musical score and sound effects. Have you got anything to go on about? Uh, No, Why? Just because I, I
0: did a little bit of research. All like, right, go I for could it. have written a lot more, but I didn't want to be dragging the uh, rating on.
1: No, go for it.
0: The uh, soundtrack for this film is... Uh, it does a brilliant job of mixing that classic Egyptian sound that is so familiar to everybody who has seen any film set near the pyramids. It's got classic instruments and a wailing vocal that is very much there to set the horror tone Of the score by supporting the general theme in the important areas such as mummy attacks and general evil shenanigans shenanigans so i started wondering while watching this who decided that this very identifiable sound was to be used in representation of ancient egypt in movies
1: okay so like where did the sound
0: come from so i had a google as you do and various sites Stated the Egyptian in air quotes music is really based on Arabic music. The evidence seems to point towards aliens. Com- uh, no. Oh, oh, I can't prove he wasn't an alien. The odds are he wasn't. He was French though, so uh, uh, swings and annoying roundabouts. Annoying, then. Uh, <laughs> a composer called Kurt, uh, and I'm gonna. Absolutely butch this.
1: Well, we're terrible at names. Camille so. saint
0: Sayens. It's spelt like Sean's, but with an A first, so Sayens, I'm guessing, something like that. Right. He was born in Paris anyway, in 1835, and died in 1921. Not a bad innings. He made his concert debut. Guess what age?
1: Uh, Twelve. Ten. Ah, oh, f- too
0: often. At some point in his life, he went travelling around... Uh, the Arabian Peninsula area, that area where Egypt is and where Lawrence went for a walk about North once. Africa, area. Yeah. Uh, and he was inspired by the Arabic music he heard. Arabian music uses scales called makam, probably pronouncing that wrong, makam scales. Uh, there was loads of information on those scales I could have put in here, but it would have been pointless. We don't use them much in Western. We don't use them in Western music, as far as I can tell. Uh, so this composer wrote music, incorporating this sound into Western music. Most notable of his pieces is called Bachanale. You can check it out on YouTube and first off, you're like, this doesn't sound any different to other Western classical and then it bangs right into the Egyptian-y type stuff. This piece and others of his were used in Hollywood films a lot during the earlier days of filmmaking. Even to this day, people use his actual music or music heavily influenced by his music when they want an Arabian or Egyptian feel to their compositions. I did see somewhere online, I can't remember where, but it stuck with me, that at one point in Hollywood, his music accounted for 20% of the music used in Hollywood in the early days. The music for this particular Egyptian film was composed by Franz Reisenstein, who did a banging job. <laughs> it isn't just that he got the feeling right, He used some catchy recurring themes that popped up in situations such as when Christopher Lee is doing his thing as the mummy. He knocks a ton of percussion into the mix using it masterfully to accentuate the more exciting plot points then letting it simmer nicely through the dialogue. Yeah, simmer down. So he gets a start from me, the music.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I think the Hammer House of Horror, they always have that. They always have that good recognisable score throughout. I do want to note something. Okay. It was too hard to find
0: F- Franz Reichenstein's name online.
1: Um, Is it because maybe he was a Nazi and they've deleted him from history?
0: I didn't think of that. Mm, 1959, this film. Yeah. Do you think they would have used him? Well, we won the war know. in '45.
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe why? maybe he's a nonce then. I
0: don't know. Nazis, nonces. Springs and roundabouts again. <laughs> <laughs> the the score in this film is it's like its own important element though. As is a, a case of many horror scores when they do it well. The music does its own thing. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have had much recognition for his work here. That uh, see,
1: that's that's what that's why I think there might be something wrong with this man.
0: Okay, so check this out. (laughs) Okay. His name is missing on most reviews and articles I could find. It was hard for me to find anything about this score. Okay. On the original sleeve for the record of this whole soundtrack, his name wasn't on it. Allegedly. I don't own a copy, so who knows? This is from online. Like, no other source than the internet. Uh, (laughs) Um, I think there might be something up with this guy. Oh, well, we'll give him his due for this score. Maybe not his war crimes. <laughs> there are <laughs> any. I don't know. It seems a bit weird though. 1959. I mean, it was all right to use their uh, rocket scientists.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that was America, though. England didn't. so
0: Yeah, that's true as well. Actually, who knows? And Let's I am have a little... shit at interneting. Like we apparently, it, we, we would be more professional of us to cite our sources a lot. <laughs> yeah, on would. our website and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. It is. So uh, we, I usually try and find stuff in more than one place written in different ways. And if it seems all legit, I'll add it. But my researching skills are not brilliant. So maybe it's not as hard as I thought to find who he is. But it seems to me pretty difficult.
1: If anyone out there who can find who this man is...
0: We want to know who Franz Reisenstein...
1: Get all taken on it. I will yes. find you. I will kill you. He's probably already dead. Probably, but I just wanted to do Liam Neeson. Oh, okay. I so... will find you. I will kill you. It's like he's in the room.
0: Star for music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, star.
0: <laughs> and also, we're thinking of dropping Listen. Well, I am dropping Listen to Mail. I might replace it with something else. We get some listener mail. It's usually, hey, guys, like the podcast type thing, which is great. I love those emails. It's not really worth reading out loads of the same thing on a segment.
1: But we do appreciate it when you say yeah. nice things. Oh, yeah, of
0: course I do. It's And I always reply. But as a section, I might just call it a different section every week if I've got something to say. Sounds good. So which that does mean we are done for this episode. What? All that is left for us to do, Jimmy, is for you to tell me what film we're doing next week.
1: Right, here we go. IMDB description. In Europe, a group of American college athletes unknowingly board a train that will become one deadly ride.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: uh, no idea. Go on, the, the, the name's in the uh, description. Give me again. Give me again. In Europe, a group of American college athletes unknowingly board a train that will become one deadly ride. Is it one deadly ride? No. Train. A film YES! <laughs> film called Train starring the lovely Thora Birch. Okay. I've not seen it. It's gonna so be I will enjoy it. Yes. Uh will I enjoy it. I don't think you'll enjoy it. Is it my type? Not nope. my type. No, Is but it... we've got to do it for the viewers. Yeah, I don't mind doing listeners. things I don't like, uh, won't like. It's gonna be it's gonna be our first proper fucking gore. Is it torture porn? Sort of. Yes. Yeah, that's probably why I've not seen it. But I uh, yeah, I watch it. Obviously, got to. <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, not, <laughs> it's not a long one. It's about hour and twenty something minutes. Hour and twenty four. Sorry. Right. Fair enough.
0: So train, right? It's called train. It's called train. We'll see you next week, yes. madhouse listeners. For uh, a film i apparently won't like called train and until then please subscribe and share the podcast with a friend please let's build this community online of horror movie lovers mostly in the uk now i will say so let's get this uk scene buzzing check us out on facebook at the madhouse podcast check us out on instagram at the madhouse podcast Email us at themadhousepodcast at outlook.com and we will see you next week
1: for an unhealthy dose of torture porn.
0: Oh
2: yeah!
1: At the nursing home, the doctor explains to John that he was fucking James Bond.